Don't ever get the idea, well, we've, we've done everything we can think of. We've done every suggestion people have told us. There's nothing left to do but pray. Don't, don't have that philosophy. Put your prayer at the beginning, not at the end. Have faith in a God who is able to do miracles. I'd like uh, you to open your Bible, please, to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. If you need a Bible, there should be one in the uh, seat in front of you underneath. Look and you should be able to find a Bible there. Uh, you know, it's hard to believe that just a few days ago, it was January 1st, 2023. It seems like just a few days, a few weeks ago that this year was beginning. And boy, we've come through a lot, haven't we? It's been another year, but it's been quite a year. And usually you can, um, you can see how quickly time goes by looking at someone's children, if you haven't seen them for a little while. My wife and I have dear friends in the Philippines, a pastor and his wife, and we stay in touch. And uh, just this morning, he sent me a little a family photo with a Happy New Year. And my wife and I sort of crowded around the computer looking at this, him, his wife, his three boys, and our, our thought was the same. Wow, look how the children have grown. We couldn't believe it. They all look to be all adults. And you know, it's funny that way, even though your children may not be adults, someone else will come along and say, boy, your kids are really growing up. And maybe you have to look at them and say, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess they have, haven't they? But isn't that often the case when you look at someone else's children? You can see, wow, how quick it seems that they've grown up. I wrote down a couple of thoughts here on children. A couple finds out they're going to have a baby. And so nine months, almost a year, goes by. And then the baby's born. Before you know it, the baby turns one. That first year doesn't last very long goes by pretty quick. And then another year goes by, and now the baby is walking and talking and enters what we call the terrible twos. Soon, Junior turns four, and we start thinking, one more year, and he goes to school. I'll be the parent of a school-aged child. Wow. And then it doesn't take long before we're thinking, oh my, next year... My boy goes to high school or my girl goes into high school. And then soon, next year, it's college. They're going to go to college. And then next year, they graduate. And then next year, they're getting married. And then next year, I'm going to be a grandparent. It's amazing, isn't it? How quickly the time goes by. Has it really been another year? Boy, it sure has. And in some respect, it's been quite a year. As we look back over the year, I think we can remember times of blessings where God has blessed us. And as we look back over the same year, we can also probably remember times of difficulty where we were allowed to suffer a little bit. Different ways of suffering. The Apostle Paul reflected over his life and noted certain difficult times. But he also noticed and noted 
certain times of learning and blessing. And so um, I want to sort of get through to, to the heart of the matter. It's not so much what happens to you. That's not the biggest thing. That's not the big deal. It's not so much what happens to you, but how you respond to it. And with this, I'd like us to go into 2024. It's not so much what happens to me. It's how I respond to it. That's the key. That's what's going to make the difference for you and for me in 2024. Let's have a word of prayer. And then let's look into this together. Loving Father, help us now as we look into the scriptures and uh, make some commentary, make some observations. Holy Spirit of God, touch our hearts and help us to see the importance of responding properly in a biblical fashion. Not responding um, to situations according to the whims of the flesh or the will of the devil, but to the very word of God. Help us today to learn something. And we pray, dear Father, that if there be anyone in our midst today or perhaps watching online who as of yet does not know for sure that heaven is their home, who as of yet does not know for sure the closeness and intimacy of having a Savior in their heart, that today would be their wonderful day. It's not a moment too too soon either for the lost to be saved. So we pray, Father, you would lead and guide now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, This is a very important passage here in Philippians chapter 4. And notice, please, that uh, the Apostle Paul said something interesting in verse 11. And it deals with how you respond to a situation. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. Now, this is something we have to learn. We're not born this way. We have to learn it. If you haven't learned it yet, you need to start and learn this. Um, He said, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Contentment is something a lot of people don't have today. Many people have come through 2023 and they're still not content. They're thinking of all the things that they should have, that they would have had if it had not been for this person or that person. Perhaps they're thinking of things they lost. There's a lack of contentment amongst many people today. But remember, it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. Now I have a humorous little story here of a lady who wanted to go to Africa and photograph you know, some wild animals. And so she saved her money and she was going to go and she thought, I'm going to take my dog with me. So she had a little dog. Does everyone know what a beagle is? A beagle, yes? Anyone not sure what is a beagle? Okay, it's a dog about that size, I guess. Probably weighs 15 to 18 pounds. Unless it eats a lot, then it can weigh who knows but uh, they usually have spots on them. They're very happy dogs. They're very good sniffers. These dogs get led by their nose. They are some of the best sniffers in the world. And uh, airport security will use beagle dogs to go sniffing through people's luggage looking for drugs. (laughs) These dogs have tails that never seem to stop wagging. 
So beagles are amazing little dogs. And she had one and she decided she was going to take it with her to Africa. So they got to Africa and they got to where they were going and she starts photographing. Anyhow, her little dog starts sniffing away. And soon, you know, his nose leads him out, you know, looking for butterflies and things. Before you know it, he's lost. He doesn't know quite where he's at. And he doesn't know what to do. And then to make matters worse, uh, he noticed a leopard. Now, we all know what a leopard is, right? By the way, never have one of those as a pet. Promise me you will never have a leopard as a pet. Uh, Some people actually do, and they live to regret it. So he noticed this leopard that was heading rapidly in his direction, and he thought, oh no, I'm, I'm the next lunch meal ticket for this. this le- He's going to eat me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? He thought. But remember, it's not, it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond to it. And so the beagle noticed some bones on the ground. And so he turned his back to the oncoming leopard and he, he got down and he started chewing on these bones and, and he's listening. And as the leopard got close enough within earshot, the beagle sat up with his back to the leopard, licking his chops and says, boy, that was one good tasting leopard. And the leopard heard this and put on the brakes. And the beagle says, I wonder if there's another one around here somewhere. And the leopard kind of took off into the underbrush and said, phew, that was close. I nearly ended up being eaten by that beagle. And so the the leopard took off and the beagle thought, whew, that was close. Well, meanwhile, up in a tree was a monkey. And the monkey was looking down and saw the whole thing and thought, I'm going to go snitch on that beagle. And I'm going to tell the leopard what he did. And so he takes off and the beagle hears the noise and looks up and sees the monkey and realizes the monkey had seen the whole thing and he's taken off toward the leopard. He's going to spill the beans and tell the leopard everything. Oh no, this isn't good, he thought. Sure enough, the monkey catches up with the leopard and says, Mr. Leopard, he said, do you realize you've been duped? You've been had, you've been fooled. Why that beagle, he, uh, he, he set up the whole thing so that you wouldn't eat him. He's made a, he's made a monkey out of you. And the leopard was all angry and says, he did what? He said, oh boy, he said, hop on my back. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do to that leopard. So the monkey rubs his hands, jumps on the leopard's back, you know, rides him like a horse or something. And the leopard comes on the run for the beagle. And the beagle thought, ooh, it's the end of the world. Oh, but remember, it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond. And so the the beagle had an idea. And so he turned his back again to the leopard, pretending he didn't see him come. And he's listening. And as the leopard is, is within earshot, the beagle yells out loud, where is that crazy monkey? I sent him off a half hour ago to find me another leopard and he's not back yet. And so it's only a humorous story, I'm sure. But it's not what happens to you it's how you respond to it that's the key you know the devil boy what he wants is for you to curse God and die that's what he wants isn't that what he sort of whispered to Job's wife 
when she saw all his suffering and why don't you just curse God and die and be done with it? I think the devil was behind that one. And the old devil is going to try and be behind something to try to bring you down. Maybe you've already had some hand-to-hand combat with the enemy in 2023. If not, you probably will in 2024. He's good at putting circumstance together. He's good at making little things appear bigger than what they really are. Maybe you've made the mistake of getting all bent out of shape and overreacting to a situation only later to find out, man, I wish I'd kept my mouth shut. I wish I'd let this one pass by. I didn't have to, you know, start World War III. Maybe you've experienced that. But the devil is going to try to bring you down through any, any way he possibly can. The Apostle Paul is encouraging us here and telling us that he's learned to be content. And contentment is a lost art. And it's something that we have to learn. And I'll be honest with you, I am still learning. I'm still a student in the school of contentment. The devil is so good. And even as I grow spiritually, there are still areas I'm weak in. And still ways in which the devil can try and make me feel discontent. And if that happens, he's won. He's won. Personally, now I have no statistics or hard proof for this, what I'm about to tell you. But it's only a gut feeling. But I think there'd be a whole lot less lawsuits, people suing each other, if people would just learn to be content. It's just my observation, and I could be wrong, but I think... There'd be a lot less activity in the courtroom if people would just learn contentment. Yeah, but he did this, she did that to me. I know, and it was wrong. They shouldn't have done it. But give it over into the Lord's hands because whatever they've taken from you, the Lord can make that up. He can give you that and so much more. And I've had this happen to me more than once. And it's not that easy to give something into the Lord's hands. You do it by faith because you feel like suing them. You feel like grabbing them by the neck by faith. Give them into the Lord's hands. God will give you peace. God will give you contentment. The Apostle Paul was hard done by by many people and he would give them into the Lord's hands. That's what he would do and he had contentment. So it's not what happens to you, but it's how you respond. And notice in verse 13 here, chapter 4, verse 13. Read this verse out loud with me, everyone, please. You'll need your Bible. Here we go. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, if you have a margin or some room to put a note in your Bible, I'd like to suggest you underline the words, all things, and put a little note to the side, in God's will. I can do all things in God's will. God doesn't want you doing things outside of his will. Does that make sense? Now that would include who you marry. That would include what job you have, your career, your whole life. It includes your entire life. It's true that anything that's God's will for your life, you can do it. You can do anything if it's God's will for your life. If God said to you, jump off the top of that building. Well, you could do it. You have to trust God for the results, mind you. But 
He would never lead you into temptation. He would never lead you to do something that would be bad for you. He will always do the right thing. And so we have this, exp- this, this promise here. But the, the explanation that goes behind it, essentially picking up from verse 11 uh, and 12, where he talks about being content. And then in verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. And that's something we all need to learn because there'll be days when you have a lot of money. There'll be days when you don't have any money. There'll be days, I suppose, when you are not just broke, but you owe money. And how do you live? How do you get by? How do you be content? Well, that's something you have to learn. Paul learned it. You see, I, I think that if the Apostle Paul were to change places with any one of us here, I think he wouldn't have much problem to live our lives here in 2023, 2024. Even with our so-called struggles and problems, I think the Apostle Paul could ace our lives, any one of us. But if we change places with him, could we ace his life? At this point, you realize Paul was in prison. In Acts chapter 24, verse 27, we find that he was in prison at this time when he wrote this book to the Philippian believers. He'd been in prison for two years in Caesarea. He was in jail. Two years, think of that. He had to have had a happy new year in there somewhere, right? I wonder if the guards came and with the tin cup rang his his bars to wake him up. Paul, just want to let you know it's January 1st. Happy new year, buddy. And there he is in prison in Caesarea. Well, what kind of happy new year is he going to have? Do you think you could change places with him? Because he learned to be content, even behind bars. Do you think you could be content behind bars? I might struggle with that too. It's not something I'm exactly used to. There are some other things I'm very used to, and I have no problem. But then there are some things in life I have not quite gotten a handle on. And do you realize that there are Christians today in parts of the world? 2024, what have they got to look forward to? They just came through 2023 persecuted. There are still Christians in the world, and and not just a few of them, there's a lot of them, where living for Jesus, you put your life on the line. You can be arrested, you can be tortured, you can be killed, you can be ostracized, you can lose your job, your family can reject you and hold a funeral and pretend you've died. There are still parts of the world where that kind of persecution is happening. So what kind of a happy new year do you think they're having right now? Well, believe it or not, a lot of these Christians seem to have a lot more grace of God than we do. Because many of them are not only surviving, they're thriving. And they're helping to lead others to Jesus Christ. Oh, the rewards they're going to get. The ticker tape parades waiting them on the streets of glory. We're, uh, we got it pretty good here in this country, I'd like to suggest. We don't have much in the way of severe persecution. But we do have other temptations from the devil. And that's to get our eyes off Jesus and onto the things of the world. And 
it happens. Believe me, it happens. Where Christians can start right, but then they get their eyes on their careers and on their incomes and on their vacations and on their fringe benefits. And then even on other things. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. Those are good things. But where is Jesus? We look at the world and we, we, we point a finger at him and say, look at that. They got their eyes on Santa Claus and not on Jesus. Now that's true. But what about some of us all throughout the year, the other 364 days of the year? Do we have our eyes on Jesus or are the eyes on other things? You see, it's a good question, isn't it? They say you need to be careful when pointing a finger because three or four may be pointing right back at you. You ever heard that before? Yeah, you know, you, you point and you got at least three of them pointing right back at you. So we have to be careful sometimes before we are too quick to, to judge others. So throughout this next year, you and I in 2024, no doubt will experience both blessings and burdens. They're going to come in 2024. It's on its way. And what you have to do is prepare now for when that happens. When the blessings come, you have to prepare now so you don't go overboard and rejoice so much that you get your eyes off Jesus and onto the blessings. So you can't make that mistake. And then when the burdens come, you have to prepare now so that you don't despair and take your eyes off Jesus and just wallow in self-pity or some destructive behavior. So you have to prepare now. And that's the context of what we have is it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond. And that's something that we have to learn. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Throughout the Bible, we find all kinds of people who faced problems and faced great needs. And how did they respond? The Bible's full of stories like that. In Matthew 15, Jesus had been speaking to a great crowd of of people for something like three days. They had stayed there. They had nothing to eat. Jesus told his disciples to feed them. They looked around and all they could find were seven small loaves and a few little fish. What were they going to do? It doesn't matter so much what happens to you. It matters how you respond. And so here's what happened. In obedience to the Lord, the disciples had the people sit down and Jesus performed a miracle. And that was the day he fed 4,000 men plus women and children. Of course, there's the feeding of the 5,000. You know about that with the little boys lunch. This was another similar miracle, the feeding of the 4,000. In Acts chapter 12, persecution was happening to the church. They had killed, Herod had killed James with the sword, cut his head off or something. And then he proceeded to take Peter and he arrested Peter, put him in jail. He was going to do the same thing to Peter. Oh no, what was the church going to do? It was bad enough losing James, but now Peter. So it's not what happens to you. It's how you, what's the word? Respond. How did the church respond in Acts chapter 12? They went to prayer. See, today, there's a lot of Christians that would say, oh, we need to protest the government. We need to call the government a bunch of Nazis and put pressure on them to release Peter out of jail. It's not what the church did in Acts chapter 12. They went above the head of the government to God Almighty 
who creates governments. And they went to prayer. And what did God do? He answered the prayer and sent an angel and got Peter out of prison. Boy, that's a much better result than picketing the government, if you ask me. But it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond. Now, there are those that may feel, Pastor, I, I'm just not a spiritual Hercules. I, I'm just not. I wish I was, but I'm not. And when things happen, I, I tend to crumble. I understand what you're saying, Pastor, that it, it's how you respond. I get that. But I can't always respond that way. When things happen, it just seems to get under my skin. It gets the better of me. What do I do? What then? Well, there's a story, an interesting story I found. It happened in the forest with a pregnant deer about to give birth. And so she found a remote spot in the field near a strong flowing river. And it seemed like a safe enough place. And then suddenly the labor pains began. The little baby fawn was on its way. But at the same time, dark storm clouds gathered over top in the sky above. And lightning began and instantly hit parts of the forest and set the forest on fire. And here was a mama deer trying to bring into the world a brand new baby fawn. What was she going to do? But it didn't end there. She looked toward her left and there was a hunter hunting deer with his bow and arrow. And he had it drawn and pointed right at her heart. (gasps) She looked to her right and she saw a hungry lion looking to get his, his meal. What do you do in a case like that? You see, remember, it's all about how you respond. But what is this poor pregnant deer to do? I mean, she's already starting her labor pains. What will happen? Will the, the deer survive? Will she be able to give birth to the fawn? Will the fawn even survive? Or will everything be burned up by the, the, the forest fire? Or will she perish at the hunter's arrow? Or will she die a horrible death at the jaws of a hungry lion approaching her now? And she really finds herself between the jaws of a vice. Fire on one side, the flowing river on the other. Boxed in by uh, natural predators of the hunter and the lion. What does she do? And here's what she did. She focused on the job at hand. She did what only she could do. She gave birth to the new life. That's what she did. And now here are the sequence of events that followed. The lightning came again and struck in the forest, but it blinded the hunter. The lightning strike blinded the hunter. The hunter released his arrow, which zipped past the deer and struck the hungry lion. It began then to rain heavily. The forest fire was slowly doused by the rain and the deer gave birth to a healthy fawn. In life, there are things that come and we got no control over these things. What do we do? It's how we respond. 
And just like the church in Acts chapter 12, they had no muscle, they had no money, they had no manpower, they had no might to fight against the likes of the Roman government. What do they do? They, they did what they could. They got on their knees and they prayed. And listen, make no mistake, when God's people get on their knees, they unite their hearts, there is power in prayer. Don't ever, ever discount prayer. Don't ever get the idea, well, we've, we've done everything we can think of. We've done every suggestion people have told us. There's nothing left to do but pray. Don't, don't have that philosophy. Put your prayer at the beginning, not at the end. Have faith in a God who is able to do miracles, who can even rescue a deer giving birth to a little fawn. Now, I realize the story is a bit fictitious, but I hope it illustrates the power of Almighty God. And He wants to rescue you so that you'll have a a testimony. You'll be able to tell others, listen to what God did. That's why God does these things and why God allows for circumstance and dark clouds and lightning and hunter's arrows and hungry lions and things is so that we will trust in Him and we will have a story to tell. Imagine the story the three Hebrew men had when they came out of the fiery furnace. Imagine that. People all around would have gotten near to them and touched them and tried to smell for smoke and look them all over. And they'd be asking them, what was it like? And what did you do? And how did you feel? And they have a story to tell. And that gives great honor and glory to God. And God wants to do the same thing for you with your financial disasters and with your health dilemmas, you know, and with your family world wars and, and on the list goes, God wants to do the same for you. Maybe he's tried to do it for you in 2023, but maybe somehow you didn't let him. Maybe somehow you, you went to other, other counselors, you got other advice. You didn't pray and you didn't get God's people praying. I'm telling you folks, there's power in the prayers of even a little church like Grace Baptist Church. We don't have to have two or 3,000 people praying. We just need the hearts of God's people here under this one roof to bow the knee and pray to the Heavenly Father. And God is looking to answer prayers. Oh, he is, he is, he really is. I promise you that. You know, Grace Baptist Church, we're, we're 24 years old. That may sound old to some, it may sound young to others, but that's what we are. And in those 24 years, we have come through many hard times and spiritual battles. There have been times when we have not had enough money and we've had to stagger payments on things. We've come through times like that. We came through a time a couple of buildings ago where we went and checked with the city of Surrey and they said, yep, you're fine to have a church there. We went ahead and signed the contracts. And then a few weeks later, we got a letter from a clerk at the city of Surrey said, you're not allowed to be in that building. Boy, that's a story in itself. But that was a battle. We won. Say, how'd you win? I'll tell you later. But God answered prayer. We've had times where we've had people leave the church. 
we've had some people leave the church because they're angry. We've had some people leave the church and we said, thank you, Lord, they're gone. We've had some of those. But we've had others leave the church. They just go and join another church. They're just not mad or anything. They just go and join another church. And at one point, we had so many leave, we didn't even know we, if we could make payroll. We just trusted God. So what happened? We prayed. God got us through. We're 24 years of living testimony, of answer to prayer. That's what we are, folks. This, you might say, is the church that prayer built. It's not so much what happens to you, but how you respond to it. Now, I'd like you to leave your finger there in Philippians and turn to the right to Hebrews and go to Hebrews chapter 4. So it's not very far away to the right. Not too many pages. You'll find Hebrews. Go to chapter 4. We're coming back to Philippians in a minute. Hebrews and chapter 4. Verse number 16 is what I want you to see because I want you to read it out loud with me. <coughs> Hebrews 4.16, if you have it there, please read now. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Time of need is going to be when you're tempted, when you're persecuted, when you're suffering, when you're doubting. Doubting the goodness of God. These are times of need. And there is help available. And we are to come boldly. Not, not with stupidity. We're not to come to God's throne and, and call Him names or accuse Him or something. We're to come humbly. We're to come boldly. To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. And that's what we need every day, folks, is the mercy. The mercy of God. So, I can promise you that your Heavenly Father knows all about your needs. He knows every single need. And I'll tell you what, He knows needs that you don't even know you have. You have needs that you're not even aware of. He knows it. He knows them all. And He cares. And He loves you. And He wants to answer your prayers. But there's a verse in the book of James. It says, ye have not because ye, what? Ask not. Ye have not because ye ask not. I wonder how many of us are going to go on suffering and not get an answer to prayer because we haven't asked. How many times have you lost something in your home and spent Hours looking for it. You could have gone to God right away. Because God knows where it is. When you lost your cell phone or your car keys. Or you lost your wallet. Or you lost an earring. Or whatever it was. God knows where it is. You could have gone to God right away and said, Heavenly Father, I need to find this. Help me, help me to show me, give me wisdom, open my eyes, let me see where it is. And then you get busy looking and oh, there it is. And then you thank the Heavenly Father. I tell you what, 
As I get older, I find that my hands aren't the same as they used to be. I hold little things and sometimes they drop from my hands. They seem to drop a little easier these days. But as the little thing is dropping to the ground, it hasn't hit the ground yet. As it's dropping, I'm praying. Father, help me find that. You know, the apostle Peter, he was in the boat with the other disciples. Jesus came walking on the water. Lord, if it be you, bid me come to thee. Right? Come, said Jesus. He gets out of the boat and starts walking. Yahoo! But then what happened? He got his eyes off Jesus and onto what? A storm. And then what happened to Peter? Down he went. He started to sink. And so what did Peter do? Anyone know? He what? He prayed. But you remember his prayer? <laughs> it wasn't a long drawn out prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. Peter didn't pray like that. Oh, thou wonderful, magnificent Lord of lords, King of kings. And all that's true. But that's not how Peter prayed. Remember how Peter prayed? Help! That was his prayer to Jesus. And then that was enough. If Peter hadn't have asked, he might never have received. And maybe Peter would still be down at the bottom of the, the Sea of Galilee to this very day. He prayed, help. He didn't have time for anything else. Help. Jesus reached out and grabbed him. You know, some of us, we haven't got it. We could have had answers a long time ago if we had just prayed, if we had gotten God's people to pray. Because sometimes it requires more. Listen, I'll tell you, when I drop a little spring or a little screw out of a thing, I'm not going to call up the church family and call for a prayer meeting. That's something that I pray about. Boom. But if I have a, a burden come upon me, bigger than my shoulders, that's when I need God's people. That's when you know when to pray. When the burden is bigger than what your shoulders can hold, then you ask for the church to pray for you. Does it work? Boy, does it work. All you got to do is read Acts chapter 12. Your heavenly Father knows that in 2024, you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow. He knows it. He also knows you're going to walk across a mountaintop. He knows that too. So you need to prepare now for 2024. Don't wait. Prepare today. Prepare this moment in your heart. Lord, teach me how to be content. Lord, teach me how to depend upon you at every step of 2024. Lord, I know it's not what happens to me. It's how I respond to it. And help me to respond to the slings and arrows. Help me to respond to the accusations, the false accusations. Help me to respond to the temptations. Help me to respond to the hard times. Help me to respond the way you want me to respond. That's the Lord's way. Now, go back to Philipp. Oh, keep your finger there in Hebrews, we're coming back. <laughs> Go back to Philippians chapter 4. Look again at verse number 11. All right? 
You see, in all of the things we come through, we have to learn to trust the Lord. And I want you to read out loud verse 11 with me now. Read it out loud, chapter 4, verse 11 of Philippians. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So we look upon things that happen to us. Typically the burdens, the bad things. We look upon those, those things as situations that will help us trust the Lord. And then what do we do? Well, we go back to Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 16. And let's read it one last time together. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's how we do it. We learn to look upon the situation as an opportunity to trust in God and then we begin to trust Him. And we pray to Him for mercy and for help. And I can promise you that there will come a day of celebration. Your trial, your persecution, your testing will be over. You will have come through it. You will have passed the grade and there will be a celebration. There will be a party. Listen, I may have told you this story, but I want to tell it to you one more time. It's a story about some ants and a cockroach. A man was at a cabin. In fact, it was a pastor. He got away for a day or two with his Bible and he wanted to get close to God. And as he was there in the cabin, he fixed himself a cup of coffee and he noticed on the ground a dead cockroach and some ants around the cockroach. And the cockroaches, you know, it was like a feast for the ants. And the ant, he watched this and the ants, they started to grab hold of the cockroach and to pull it up the side of the kitchen cabinet, the, 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 uh, the counter cabinet. They wanted to get it up on the top. And they got up part way and they fell down back to the ground. He watched this with curiosity. And the ants got together and got that cockroach again, that dead thing, and they started bringing it up the side of the, the counter again. They got up a little higher and down they went. Fell down again to the ground. And he thought, huh, I wonder if they're going to give up. But they didn't. They got around that cockroach and they all grabbed hold with their little pinchers and they started yanking that thing up again to the top and they got almost to the top and down they went the last time they got it again up to the top and he's watching with curiosity why can't they get it up any further and so he got his glasses which are bifocals pastors sometimes have bifocals and he got his bifocals down and he looked and he could see there was an ant sitting on top of the cockroach going for a ride. Not doing his part. And he looked at that thing. And he, all the other ants were doing their part. And this one ant just going for a ride. Letting everyone else do the work. And he thought that's why they can't get it to the top. And so what he did was he got his pen. When they were right near the top. He got his pen down and he gave him a little flip and flipped that cockroach right up on top of the counter. 
Well, boy, oh boy, did they have a party with that cockroach. You see, you go through life and you're trying. You're doing the best you can to raise your kids, to put food on a table, to hold down a steady job, to keep your, your marriage you know, going and growing and getting better. You're working against the, the clock, swimming against the tide. Some days it feels like it's quite a battle with the things that you have to deal with. Well, the Lord knows. And you do your part. And at the right time, God will give you a little flip. You see, Hebrews, let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He'll do it. God will do it. If you do it God's way, God will do his part. And between you and God, you're going to get that cockroach up on the top counter. You really will. And you're going to get your victory party. It really will happen. It's not so much what happens to you. It's how you respond to it. And so I want you to think right now, is there someone in your life that's giving you a hard time? How have you been responding to him or to her? And maybe it's even a family member. How have you been responding? You know, the Bible tells us to not pay back evil for evil. You know that. The Bible tells us, love your enemies. Do good to them that persecute you. Hmm? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. And so that God can do the right thing. Maybe you have a physical problem, a financial problem, some kind of social problem, and you battle with this crazy thing. I'm telling you, God wants to help you. It's how you respond to these things. That's the key. I want to encourage you and invite you to respond the right way. We'll uh, go to God in prayer, shall we? Let's close our eyes. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.